Good morning. morning. Now that's good. You can hear me. I can hear myself. (laughs) Bless the Lord. Uh, Have you got that slideshow there on the computer? Okay, I'd like you to turn the monitors off. Okay, and the mid-range down. I've been doing this for a long time. (laughs) Firstly, I'd like to say, Jeff, I just want to honor you, my brother. In May, it will be nine years since you received Dawn and me into this church. And I want to say that Jeff opened his heart, and we experienced a restoration here after a time of isolation, out of ministry, and yet not away from the Lord because the Lord started a few house churches around us and we had some amazing teachings from the Lord and amazing experiences in the Lord which I think sometimes can only come when you're in isolation or in the wilderness. But I want to honor you, Jeff. Thanks very much, brother, for the restoration. The father of this house, Jeff, and that's Sheldon's dad. And I want to honor you, Sheldon, and the elders for the way that you've received us too. I want to honor you for that. Amen. I want to talk to people about what's going on with those who are passing through storms in their lives. This fast has been a different fast. I think that this fast has been one where we've had much more opposition, many more obstacles arise, many more experiences where it didn't go the way we expected. If you're one of those people, you can just lift your hand, okay? (laughs) we're those people, right? I was going to say for the brother, was it a brother that stood up and said that he could remember his child's birthday or his children's birthday? I was going to say, please sit down and make the rest of us feel comfortable. Okay. (laughs) Okay. When you step into the territory of the kingdom, You're going to step into a realm of opposition and obstacles. But you are stepping into the realm of Jesus. You're stepping into the realm where Jesus operates with authority. That's where he rules. And you're stepping into the realm of the acts of the apostles. You're stepping into the realm of the spirit. Most people don't know that Jesus felt that being born again was more to do with stepping into the kingdom than joining the church. And I say that most people have got different colored glasses and it depends which church you go to to see what colored glasses they're wearing. Because the glasses tell us this is the way we see things here. Did you get that? But in the kingdom you have clear open vision if you're willing to walk the way that Jesus will tell us and will show us. So there's two keys that we're going to look at. In fact, there'll probably be a third one. But I want to tell you that when stuff goes down, I'm using, I'm not sure if this is millennial language, when stuff happens, there are three kinds of people. There are people that watch stuff going down, There are people that wondered what stuff went down. And there are people that make the stuff happen. Uh, For my generation, it's like this. When things happen in life, there are people that see things happening and watch it. There are people that wonder what happened. And there are the people that make things happen. (laughs) We've got an example of this. Is this working? This is on green, okay? Okay, you're going to help me change the slides, Jude, okay? You're going to check it, okay? I want, to see, I want you to see in this verse, in verse 26, this is the story of the disciples in the boat, and Jesus is asleep in the, in the boat, the fishing boat, and the storm comes and they feel threatened for their lives. Remember, these are experienced fishermen, most of them, And they are afraid. So they wake Jesus up and said, Lord, save us. And Jesus says in verse 26, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? I want to talk to people of little faith today. 
We're going to look at what happens. Because Jesus then stood up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there came a great calm, and then the disciples wondered what happened. They said, it says, they were amazed. What manner of man is this? And even the winds and the sea obey him. The storm was happening. Jesus got up and made something happen. They wondered what happened. So the next verse, it says, so when he came in, after he crossed the sea, he came into this house and they brought a paralyzed man to him. The interesting thing is that Matthew chapter 8 from verse 1 all the way through to Matthew chapter 9, the end of it, nearly the end of it, is full of things happening. Full of things happening. This is the first story of something happening in the kingdom and Jesus seized the faith of the people that brought this paralyzed man. Did you know that you can see people's faith by the way they behave in life? Jesus can see it. Sometimes you see it by the word of knowledge or you get the understanding by the Holy Spirit. Jesus saw that these guys had brought the paralyzed man, but he got a witness by the Spirit and he saw their faith. And then he said to them something totally surprising. Son, your sins are forgiven. As soon as you step into the kingdom realm to see what God will do and make things happen, you're going to get opposition. Because there were scribes present. And they said, this is blasphemy. Scribes were in the days of Jesus the intellectual, academic theologians of the day. I want that to sink in. I often go to Kumbuks. There's a book there that says Counterfeit Revivals. It's a scribe. I doubt if he's ever experienced a miracle in his life. He's one of those guys that does desktop studies on other people's ministries, downloading it, listening to it, listening to it to criticize it, writing a book that costs me 320 rand if I want to buy it. <laughs> Armchair critics. Scribes were responsible for duplicating the scriptures because they did it by hand in those days and seeing the accuracy of the scriptures. Along the way, they learned scriptures over and over and they developed a knowledge of the doctrine of the day. And they said, this is blasphemy. Surely no one can forgive sins except God. So Jesus, knowing their thoughts, and he did that by the Holy Spirit, he knew what they were thinking. He says, why do you think evil in your hearts? As soon as you start thinking something that is out of line with the revealed word of God, it's evil working in your hearts. He says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralyzed man, arise, take up, and your be- take up your bed and walk. Before that, he says, guys, I just want to ask you intellectual academic theologians, which is easier? Is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? Now, what kind of question is that? Then he says, to prove that I have got delegated authority. The word power there is exousia in the, in the Greek. There's two words for power in the New Testament. There's one, dunamis, and the other one is exousia. Exousia means you've got delegated authority to act with power. It's the same as the way that the, the jurists, the people in law in South Africa, use the word power in their delegation through, through legislation or through contract that the person entering into that position has the power to act in terms of the legislation. Okay? It's the same use of the word. All right? And it's wonderful because Jesus didn't just do something that's in line with a contract or with a, 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 the civil law of the land. He did something supernatural because he had delegated authority from the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the paralyzed man rose, took up his bed, went home, and then the people wondered what happened. 
What is this? The others glorified God because they knew Jesus' reputation. I want you to know that you will encounter opposition when you press into the things of the kingdom. And I'm going to, for the sake of time, ask you to make a note of reading Matthew chapter 8 all the way through, all the way through. But I want to pick up on this one here. This was a centurion that came to Jesus and wanted Jesus to pray for his... No, he didn't ask him to pray. He says, I want you to speak the word because my servant is at home paralyzed in lots of pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. But I know that if you only speak the word, my servant will be healed. Then he explains that he was a man in authority. That when he gives a command to a troop of soldiers, they go where he sends them. They do what he tells them to do. They come at the moment that he calls. Because he knew the authority of commands. And he knew the authority of delegated power. He recognized the words of Jesus have power. He recognized that there was power in Jesus' words. That's all I want to pick up on this. And this scripture you've read if you've been doing the prayer guide, following the prayer guide, prayer guide and you can read it, I think it's about day 18 where I share my testimony of experiencing my first miracle in my life when I was 17 years old and I fell and injured myself and I had a protruding hernia in the groin here. Just popped out. And you can read that in the prayer guide. And as I turned to this scripture, the Bible was on my bed. I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself and my heart cried out to God, open the Bible, it opens to the scripture. It was where I was reading that day and I turned it out to where I was reading that day and this was the next verse and it says that Jesus healed all who were ill when they brought to him many sick people and people who were demoniacs, oppressed by demons. And he healed all who were ill that it might fulfill the words of Isaiah. Surely he took upon himself our weaknesses and bore the burden of our diseases. Of course, that's quoting Isaiah 53, 4. It's interesting to note that verse 5, the next verse that he didn't quote, Matthew didn't quote that, it tells us that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes we are healed. Peter uses that phrase in his letter. And he says, by his stripes we were healed. <laughs> Isaiah is looking forward to the cross. Peter is looking back to the cross. By his stripes we were healed. The provision for our healing was at the cross. Therefore, our salvation, according to Isaiah, is not just salvation from sin, it is salvation from sickness. And later on we'll see that it's also salvation from Satan's power and demonic influences in our lives. Hallelujah. Can you give the Lord a praise for that? Our salvation is a complete salvation. Hallelujah. In verse 32 of chapter 9, when they went out, they brought a man to him who was mute, which means he was dumb. He couldn't speak. And he was also demon-possessed. That's an unfortunate translation because it really means demonized. It's a Greek word, diamonitsomai, which means demonized. Right? So the word demon-possessed raised a lot of questions. I was brought up in the Pentecostal background in the Assemblies of God in England and then for a season in the Apostolic Faith Mission where my dad was a missionary and then in the Assemblies of God because my wife belonged to the Assemblies of God and we went there together. Okay. <laughs> and I grew up in that Pentecostal denomination and the position that we took was that if you've got a demon then you weren't really born again. And the problem was that a demon cannot possess a man who's got Christ or the Holy Spirit in him, okay? But the problem was really with our theology of interpreting this phrase because the question is not, can the demon have the man? 
The question is, can the man have the demon? Can he be subject to oppression by a demon? Because the word is really meaning demon oppression. And in fact, all of the people that I've cast demons out of happen to be Christians. Sorry about that for your theology, but that's my experience. I stand here as an engineer who the Lord put into an experience of the Holy Spirit. And I can testify that just about every one of the miracles or healings that Jesus did in Matthew 8, all the way through to the end, except for walking on water like Peter or stilling a storm like Jesus did, I've experienced the authority of commanding weather to change. The authority of commanding rain to come or rain to stop or whirlwinds not to blow over our caravan tea table with scones and cream and apricot jam on them. This is the most important event in my life at the time. <laughs> because it actually proved the authority that the Lord had given us in our words. Just two or three of us spoke the same thing. We saw this dust devil coming. It was at uh, Rust Rustenburg Kluf Caravan Park. And we were sitting down to tea. And here's this dust devil. Because it was dry at that time of the year. And the dust devil comes straight. Its direction was straight towards our tea table. And we looked at it and instantly agreed. That way, in Jesus' name, it did a right angle turn. And then a right angle turn and went right past us without affecting us. <laughs> I had a... I had a Mercedes-Benz that I bought seven years old in 1984 and then I bought a house that had no garage because I converted the garage into an office and the car slept outside for several years and in the reef we actually put up hail nets to stop BMW's new production lots in Rossland and the uh, um, Nissan factory. We, we put up hail nets to prevent damage to new cars by the hailstorms. You get hailstones up there, hailstones up there that are that big, you know, not quite a cricket ball thick, big, but half of a golf ball, golf balls. Okay, that's they relate to golf balls. Yeah, in the front row, they relate to golf balls. And every time a hailstorm came, I spoke to it. That car, I sold it without any dings in it all. Not one ding. But I can say the same for the other things. Because the Lord taught me the secrets that I want to open to you today. Stepping into the realm of the, of the Spirit, stepping into the realm of the kingdom, is actually stepping into the realm of Jesus with His authority and into the acts of the apostles that God can do in your life today. No matter what the storms may be. No matter what they bring. So, they brought Him this dumb man and when the demon was cast out, the dumb man spoke and the multitudes wondered what happened. Never have we seen it like this in the whole of Israel. One of the problems with intellectual theologians is that they are joined very often by pharisaical leaders who do not have a knowledge of the power of God. So the second group of opposition that you get is leaders in the church that don't have any experience in the power of God. So when they don't have that, we have to have a doctrine in the pulpit that explains why the power of God does not work like that. Or to explain why that person didn't get healed. Or to agree with the people and say that person was a person of faith, they believed the scriptures, they confessed the scriptures, and they still died of cancer. There's a missing key. There's a missing key. But the Pharisees, they are the ones that joined the group in opposition of the ministry of Jesus. And of course the third one is already evident in this scripture. And that is Satan with his demonic attacks will be an opposition to you. Huh. But there are also obstacles. We've already seen one where Jesus said to the disciples in the boat in the storm, don't be afraid. Fear is the first obstacle and it's in your mind. Yeah, yeah. These obstacles come inside of you. Fear in your mind. Yeah. Fear in your mind. 
<laughs> in Matthew 17, Jesus, Peter, James and John were coming down the mountain after the transfiguration of Jesus where Moses and Elijah appeared to him and his robe was shining with the white light of the glory of God that was in him. They come down from that experience, and when they get to the bottom, the disciples that had stayed at the bottom of the mountain were trying to help a father who had a son that was suffering epileptic fits that would throw him into the fire, and they could not deal with this demon. So Jesus came along, they, they told Jesus about it, he cast the demon out, and they said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. However, this kind doesn't leave except by prayer and fasting. I had a discussion about that with a, a friend of mine who's an apostle in England, Derek Brown. And he says he's not sure whether the prayer and fasting was the one to get the demon out or get the unbelief out. So we have, we have three sources of uh, opposition. The intellectual theologians of the day that don't have the revelation that the Lord has been releasing since Luther. The Lord has not stopped releasing revelation because we are no longer living in the realm of the reformists. We are living in the realm of the restorers. This church is living in the realm of the restorers. Anton and Alana have got a, a restoring mantle. They've got a mantle to restore the desolate places. Sozo's got a mantle of restoring the desolate places. The people in the healing rooms have got a mantle and an anointing to minister divine healing because God has shown us. And he started restoring that through John Alexander Dowie. Before that, there were historical, uh, re re there were historical reports where the Holy Spirit, uh, it seemed to be arbitrarily. That means he just decided who he wanted to use and who not. I, I was reading one of these uh, books, an amazing book, which is called Mystics and Miracles. And here's a young man. His name was Vincent Ferrer. And he became a, he became a junior monk in a monastery. And the bishop was cross with him because the people were following, following him because he had the ministry of miracles. And the bishop uh, rebuked him because he went to a town and the town had a drought and had no harvest and had no food and he encouraged the people and said your God will, uh, will uh, provide for you and even this night the Lord will make a provision for you. The bishop heard about it and was so crossed he says you don't do that ever again and you come to me before you try and do this again. That night two ships full of food arrived in the harbor in the city. That night, the bishop didn't care. He wanted to control this young man that had an anointing. Uh, it's, it still happens today. It still happens today. I want to thank God that in this church, there is a freedom and a lack of vulnerability and insecurity in the eldership, and especially in uh, Sheldon and Kathleen, because I used to worry about this, uh, this statement. Um, in church leadership, you're taught in many places, if there's more than one vision, you've got division. Division. And so the way that you protect that is that the leader would say, if you're going to come in here, you've got to serve me and my vision, and we'll see what God will do. It was even more ridiculous in my days in the assemblies of God when the pastor said, it's not my responsibility to open the way for ministry for anybody. <laughs> the traditions of men who have not read the scriptures and got revelation by the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. So, I've forgotten where I was going now. <laughs> I've got to stop these one-liners. <laughs> hallelujah. So, I want to say this, that, that the, the work, sorry? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Monk Vincent Ferrer. Okay, thanks, Sheldon. I'll tell you what, I really enjoy working with the preacher's team in this place. I'm the oldest, so I do need a bit of help now and again. <laughs> Thanks, Sheldon. So Vincent Ferrer, 
He's walking through a town where they're doing some building of a cathedral and he hears a cry, Father Vincent, help me. And he looks up to the top of the wall and hears a mason falling off the wall. He says, wait! And he runs to the bishop to tell him the story and say, can I help him? The bishop says, what's happening? He says, he's waiting there. (laughs) He says, you better go quickly. He goes back. The man is suspended in midair, held there by angels. And he says, come down. And the angels lower him safely to the ground. But those were few and far between experiences. And very often, it was only the Catholic Church that after you were dead, they would recognize that you'd done at least one of two miracles and then declare you to be a saint, canonize you. So there was no life of living in the kingdom in the realm of the supernatural by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is still willing to hear us. His word carries power. And his touch imparts power. He came to Peter's, you'll see it in in Matthew 8. He came to Peter's home. Peter's mother-in-law is lying sick of fever in the bed. Jesus touches her hand and she revives and she cooks dinner for him. I had that happen in a caravan park in Plettenberg Bay in 1981. Young girl. Same thing. Because God still does these things today. But there will often be opposition like the scribes and the Pharisees. But Jesus gives us the secret. Now there are two keys. This quotation of Mark 12, 24 is not in, it's not in um, Matthew. But it's in a situation where the Sadducees are trying to criticize Jesus and trick him with a question. And they say that according to the law of Moses, this man died and his wife was taken to wife by his brother to raise up a family in his name. And then the second brother died, and the third brother took her to wife to raise up a family in their name. Then the Sadducee said, tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And Jesus gave them this answer. He said, you are totally mistaken, because you do not know the Scriptures, And you do not know the power of God. I want to tell you that there's a restoration of revelation that unlocks scriptures so that you will not just have a theological degree. You'll not just have a Bible college degree or history. And you'll not just depend on the Holy Spirit coming down to do something and nothing happens if he doesn't. The Lord's going to restore men and women of faith who know the scriptures and know how to cooperate with the power of God. Here's a second story about Peter walking on the water. And there you see Jesus stretched out his hand and called him. Oh, we've already looked at this one, right? You have little, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's a different story Jesus came walking on the water and Peter said, <laughs> he said, if, you, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So Peter got out and he started walking on the water. I often say that Jesus wasn't actually walking on the water. He's walking on the word of Jesus because the word of Jesus had power. When he said come, it meant Peter could do it. If you do anything in obedience to the word of God, you can do it even if it means it's supernatural. If you get the word of God coming to you to tell you to do something totally outside of your ability, then pray into it and obey it as quickly as you can. Because that way, supernatural things happen. This is part of the key, is taking the words of Jesus as words that carry power. It's part of the key. So, When Peter looked at the waves, he was afraid. Jesus had told them before, don't be afraid. You are people of little faith. Don't be afraid. You are people of little faith. 
Sometimes we think, well, you've got to have great faith to do great things. We're going to look at that in a moment. But Jesus lifted him up and he said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We've already talked about um, two obstacles in the mind. One is fear. One is unbelief. This one is doubt. All of them happen in the mind. The writer to the Hebrews, he says, I want you to press I want you to press forward lest you faint in your minds. That's what happens why we do not see the supernatural because people faint in their minds. So the obstacles will come and approach our thinking so that the faith cannot work because Jesus taught them, he said, in Matthew 17, 21, he says, I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. In another scripture it says that the mustard seed is the smallest of all the seeds, but it grows to be a great tree, and out of its branches, birds come in there and they build nests and have their families in the branches of a great tree that comes from a small seed. You can take a mustard seed and if you have it on your hand here and you just sneeze, it will disappear because of the draft, because it's so small. The issue is not how big your faith is. The issue is, are you working with your faith? Because the key is that you need to know the Scriptures and you need to know that the power of God is more than enough. In these days we are seeing a restoration of the Scriptures which instruct us in how to cooperate with God and how to live whatever storm you're facing, whether it's a problem at work, a problem at home, a problem in where you're living, problem in the community, a problem with sickness, a problem with finances, whatever the storms are, God will make a way for you. But he wants you and I to grow up. In fact, many of us as leaders have got to take a sense, uh, take a, a mantle of responsibility to pay the price to walk through difficulty until the promises of God work. Dawn and I walked through seven years of pregnancies with five miscarriages and one blighted pregnancy where I carried her to the hospital with hemorrhaging and nearly lost her life. But every time, we believed God would give us a second child and a third child because we believed what God had said. He said, none of you will lose your children through miscarriage. We went through it and we went through it and we went through it and we paid a price over seven years to get our second and our third son. Because of that, we won the territory. There are people that come to this church that we've prayed for that the doctor said you cannot have children. And they've got children. Yes, There's a, there is territory to be taken in every storm. In every storm, even Paul the Apostle was in the storm in Acts 27, and the territory that he had to take was not just to save the lives of the sailors, but to actually bring the gospel to Malta and to go on to Rome to bring the gospel there. The territory that you have to take is in the realm of the kingdom. It's spiritual territory, but the battle will often come in the natural circumstances where you get opposition and you get obstacles in your mind. So what you've got to do is you've got to respond by stepping out in faith in the realm of the kingdom to believe God because His promises will never fail. If you can find a scripture that promises the answer to your situation, then I want to tell you that Isaiah tells you, search out of the book of the Lord and read. And none of these promises will lose its inheritance. Paul writes it. Paul writes it to the Corinthians and says, every promise is yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God the Father by us. It means that you and I have to believe and say, yes, God, I believe your word. In the face of the storm, in the face of the problem. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So the key is, even if you've got little faith, you've got to use the keys. <laughs> Where are we now? Okay. So that today he still does miracles by his words and his power, but he does them with those 
who use their little faith. It can move the mountains in your life when it connects with the power of Christ. We bring the words of faith. He, Holy Spirit brings the power. Will you stand? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'd like the worship band to come, Joe. Is it just Joe? Just Joe, okay. Oh, hallelujah. I want to tell you that every one of us are called to walk in the kingdom and to live in the kingdom. But the secret is not just to know the scriptures or to know that God is all-powerful. There are so many preachers that have told us over these last decades that God is all-powerful. They'll also tell us that he's on the throne. But I want to tell you that the last generation of Christians will be those who will step into the acts of the apostles and make a difference everywhere they go because they have more than the usual mediocre, mediocre Christianity that is around us that has not changed the city. The Lord's doing a restoration work here and it starts with word and it moves with spirit but it becomes active in our lives by faith. We have to step out with little faith. When we step out with little faith, every problem that you have faced that has blocked your progress in God's call on your life can be addressed with you having faith in God's word and speaking out that word to that situation. But it makes no difference if you speak unless the power of the Spirit comes upon you to make it creative words coming from your mouth. And so for that, we need to have a lifestyle of living by faith in the small things where we are so dependent on the Holy Spirit to empower us in our spirit and to get the anointing in us and upon us so that we grow in this call to live in the kingdom. That's what we're going to do. So I want to speak that many of the things that we've talked about and that are written about in, in Matthew 8 and Matthew 9 are healings. And I want to say that if you have got a condition in your body right now and you've got pain and you want to respond to this and take a step of faith, I want you to come to the front. And I'm going to ask the healing team, the healing rooms team to come and minister and then the elders and uh, their wives to come and be ready to minister. Because the Spirit is present. Just like it says in Luke 5, the Spirit was present with power to heal. The anointing is here. Thank you, Jesus. But I don't want to exclude anyone else that has been struggling with fear and with unbelief, not about your healing, but maybe about your healing. But there are people where the Lord has promised you things and it hasn't happened in your life. You've had prophecies and it hasn't come to pass in your life. I wanted to ask the people that are, called, uh, that are coming forward for healing, will you come move all the way over to this side, please? All the way over, because I want to make that side available for other people, please. All the people that need healing, will you move over to that side, please? Thank you. If you've had prophecies and promises over your life and they haven't come to pass, you've cried and you've wept and you've prayed week after week, month after month, and you've not had breakthrough, I want to tell you that the Lord has not forgotten those prayers that you've offered. The Lord has not lost those prayers. The Lord says He wants to encourage you that your prayers will be answered. What you've got to do is you've got to align with God because we're in a state now where we're changing the level that God has called us to. And I'm not saying we are. We are responding to what the Lord has asked us to get into. And that's to get into a kingdom lifestyle. And we are responding by moving up higher where the Lord wants to work in response to our faith. 
This is not just about depending on the person with the power or the gifts of healing and the ministries. It's that, that is available to us and will continue to encourage us and to open things up for us. I will pray for some of these people. I will pray a mass prayer and maybe go and pray for some individuals. But I want to tell you that you and I can start with the little faith that we've got and day by day when we encounter the opposition of the enemy or we encounter the obstacles, we encounter the problems with finance, then you can take that scripture, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus my Lord according to his bank account in heaven. You can take that scripture, pray it through, pray it through, pray it through. I prayed that verse through for four weeks before a man phoned me in 1981 and lent me 5,000 rand, just like that. 5,000 rand in 1981 was a lot of money. Because I persevered in prayer until God did something. We need to learn how to break through in prayer and not give up with our prayers. So I want to say, God does not forget your prayers. The angels take the prayers of the saints before the throne. They pour them out before the throne. And the Lord looks down upon your life and He intercedes for you before the Father. And then the Holy Spirit takes the words of Jesus and the Father, John 16. The Spirit speaks to you the words that He has heard from the Father and Jesus having a conversation about your life. And when the Spirit speaks, He expects you to listen and obey. Just the way things work in the kingdom. T totally different lifestyle. If there are people that have got problems in the area of their finances or their job or their career, I want you to come and join us over here. Right. Thank you, Father. Father, we're going to pray. I would like us to sing this song because this song is where your heart needs to be. Your heart needs to be with this song. And it needs to be your song for the next few weeks of your life. Just listen to it. Uh, oh, you've got it. Yeah, we've got it on the screen. Please go for it. Lead, it. Lead us, Joe. This is the air I breathe. Sing it with us. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence. Living in me. This is my daily bread. Sing it with your heart. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Every day. Your very for you 
Bíblia. Ask the healing team to come forward. Will the healing rooms team come forward and the, the leaders come forward and just begin to pray, minister to people. Expect your miracle because you took a step of faith to come forward. The words that I've spoken, I've asked the Holy Spirit to guide me so that I should hear and speak the words. And not every word that I've spoken is exactly what He has told me, but I've tried to speak what He's told me. But I've also prayed and asked Him that He would speak to you directly through the Word, that your heart would receive His Word, and that your, your heart would be sparked with faith, that the little faith that He's given to you already would come into agreement with His Word so that you could receive that you could believe and receive. That's what I want for you today. So I'm going to pray for all of you as the folk minister to you. And as you stand here, wait until somebody ministers to you unless you receive it. If you receive something from God, you don't have to wait for us to pray. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and He will minister to you as long as you seek Him with all your heart and say, yes, Lord, I'm desperate with you for you. I need you. I'm lost without you. If that's you, then the Lord will come and He will begin to work with you and He'll bring His anointing. We need the power of His anointing. Not just words spoken. We need the powerful words of Jesus. We need them spoken in faith, but we need the power of His anointing. All of those things make the power of the kingdom work. So I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You for every one of these people who have stepped forward today Every one of them who have responded to your word, showing that they have a need in their hearts for you. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you have come and you've dealt with things through the word. But I pray that their hearts should experience the turning of the key of your word, understanding and knowing the scriptures, that they will sense the key turning in their heart of believing in the power of God by the Holy Spirit and the turning of the key to reach out to you, Lord, in faith. No matter how little their faith is, I ask you, Lord, to meet every single one of them. In the name of Jesus, I command healing on them. I command healing for people who have bruised ligaments and have arthritis in their joints and people who have pains in the abdomen, people who have lung infections, people who have bowel infections, people who had attacks in their blood. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak out your healing over people who have serious blood conditions. I speak out over people that have heart conditions. I say to you, be of good courage. The Lord will strengthen your heart today in the name of Jesus. I speak to those whose bones are weakened. And I say, the Lord promises to strengthen your bones and give you health, give you health in all your flesh. The Lord chooses to minister to you today by His Spirit. He'll do it by some of the people laying hands on you. But the power of the Spirit can only come from Him. So receive that today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those people that have had challenges in their finance and challenges in their job situation. I say in the name of Jesus, the Lord makes a way for you. We prophesy into being the provision of the Lord according to His covenant promise. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken or His seed begging for bread. I see the Lord's called people to destinies and He's called you and He's gifted you so that you can operate in a way that other people cannot. The Lord has got the place for you. 
so that you will continue to be effective and fruitful to bring a blessing to all the families around you and bring a blessing even to employers that don't recognize your skills at the moment. The Lord's going to open the way. He's going to make a way where there was no way and He will give you the introductions. He'll give you the contacts. The Lord will cause people to want to call you and to make contact with you and the Lord will make a way for you supernaturally. I call it a being, Father, for those that need work. I pray that you will open the way for them to have work where you want them to be in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those that have run short of finances. I'm asking you, just like you provided for me every single day and every single week and month since I came off a salaried position in, 90, in 2014, I want to thank you that month by month, week by week, you provide day by day. I call it into being. The Lord will open His hand and satisfy the desire of His people in the name of Jesus. Extend your hand. Open your hand. Guide your people to the place that they should be. And I ask you, Lord, bring their hearts into a place of faith. Bring their hearts into a place of belief. Remove the unbelief. Bring them into a place of courage. Remove the fear. Bring them into a place where they are sure and have confidence. And remove the doubt in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, no matter what the opposition in the world around them, you will make them victorious. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And this is the one that we have in us. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you, Father. We pray for this for the, this for the people, that you will work in their lives and show them the power of your kingdom. Even this week, this week, I'm asking, Lord, for doctor's reports. I'm asking for symptoms to go. I'm asking for pains to go. I'm asking for conditions to be healed. I'm asking for the outcome to be a rapid recovery with the blessing of the Lord. I'm asking for provisions. I'm asking for supernatural doors to open for your people so that they'll make the right connections and they'll find the way that you want to lead them in your truth and in your grace. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh.